You're listening to The Life of Tri. It's triathlon for your ears. So here we are. Uh, Kevin, I'm, I'm really excited because I realized uh, in around where I live, there's a lot of gravel. It's a ton of gravel. Like literally, there is kilometers upon kilometers upon kilometers of road that I didn't know I didn't know existed. And I was out in the country. Don't ask me what I was doing. I was, I was out in the country, and I all I could see was um, gravel everywhere. And then these three dudes just floated on by with their gravel bikes, and I said, "I want one of those." And now. I'm in the middle of researching the gravel. Now, you may have, because Canada can't afford proper roads, so you might have more of an idea about this. Okay, so, like, I'm I'm just trying to figure out how many, like, have you been asleep for a decade? Do you know what? It's like like when you roll up at 2 o'clock in the morning to a party that's been just thrown down since, like, 7 o'clock that night. You're like, oh. That's that's pretty much you. Like, no wonder your wife is always saying, yeah, I raised the kids all by myself. (laughs) What are you talking about? Gravel has been the hugest thing for ages and ages. I don't know this. I don't know uh, this. Like we're we're banging on a decade probably of the gravel <laughs> stuff, um, and yeah, like it's taking off like crazy here in Canada. Mm. Um, yes, we do have a lot of gravel roads. Uh, we have yeah, just a lot of long roads in the middle of nowhere, um, and people are sick of getting you know having cars whip by them inches away. Yeah, um, having um, I, I, should I be careful? You know me, I'm not very careful most of the time. Mm. Like, you know, pickup tr- trucks just flying by us and, and cutting us off. And, yep. um, and so people are gravitating to gravel. Sorry, I couldn't resist it. Um, <laughs> You're such a journo. <laughs> and, so, um, and, um, and so this actually is a wonderful segue into... Um, so I, I told you about the, the Ranger Man event yes. that I'm yeah. right? Tell us what's going on. So the Ranger Man is uh, myself and a, a friend. Uh, we were involved in a, a, a swim a couple of years ago, and the guy who um, who uh, drove the boat, um, the support boat for the swim, ended up passing away of a fentanyl of fentanyl overdose last year. And uh, so, as a memorial, and also as a way to raise some funds for. Uh, mental and uh, drug rehab um, type uh, research up in mm-hmm. the Sudbury area, which is where he's from. We have embarked on Ranger Man, which is uh, it's about a 600 kilometer bike ride from mm-hmm. Sudbury or from Oakville to Sudbury, and then uh, we're doing a 12 kilometer swim, the same swim that we did uh, that Joe did a couple of years ago. I did parts of so. Um, as we were researching and going through all of that, we figured that it made total sense for us to do part of this ride on gravel bikes because the roads, a lot of the roads that we're doing, especially sort of in the southern part of the province, um, are very busy. And there is an 80 kilometer 
gravel trail. It's an old railway ra railway trail that they have uh, converted into uh, just a gravel trail. Yeah, cool. So we're, uh, we've, we've uh, managed to get a couple of gravel bikes from Racer Sportif. Thank you, guys. Um, and uh, so we've got uh, these Aquila gravel bikes, and they are amazing. So... Um, I shouldn't make so much fun of you because I finally got on a gravel bike, what, two weeks ago, yeah. three weeks ago? Um, so I'm I'm almost as uh, far behind as you, but yeah, they're amazing and you need to get one, dude. Yeah, and this is the thing, right? Like I realize I'm completely in the dark about this and, it's, and I'm like you, right? Like I miss bike riding. I've got a beautiful road bike. Um, that sits in a, you know, in in its place and doesn't get used because I don't like going out and not, you know, coming home. So um, I've got a problem. So I've been riding my mountain bike for the last three years, and and it's been a heck of a lot of fun. But I miss the road, and then this whole thing. And I'm like, wow, this is doing my head in. So I put it out on the tweeter, and I got a mixed bag of responses, very similar to yours, to say, what, what in the f are you doing, Phil? Like, surely, surely you know about this, and I'm so clueless, but. Uh, starting my research now into what sort of bike I should buy and what I need to get and all that kind of stuff. So that's been fun. That's been my, because we've been locked down again six times now in Victoria. Um, this has been my kind of fun thing is the gravel. So I will keep you updated as to how I go. I know people are just very fascinated by my gravel journey, said nobody, but <laughs> I feel like I'm in the conversation. I feel like I need to beef up the Instagram account and take some whole lot of gravel road shots. I put one out on Twitter the other day and people loved it and said, yes, gravel. So there we are, my gravel yeah, story. It, it's, it's amazing. My son, who you know used to be on the national cycling team uh, here in Canada, road and track, um, this sort of the first year after he retired, he did uh, a few gravel races and just loved it. Mm. Uh, just, you know, like you, you can really rip on those things. So, you know, someone like Sean uh, really can. And uh, yeah, and Angela Nath, uh, triathlete, mm -hmm. uh, she has been uh, really into gravel this year. Heather Jackson, I think, did a few gravel races as well. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, you're seeing a lot of triathletes sort of, um, I did it again, gravitate that way. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but the story, is that I was actually um, the real story is I was actually taking my dog who's a border collie. He'd never seen sheep before, so I took him out into the farmland to show him sheep. That's what I was doing. Okay, that's that's an even sadder story than um, you know how long it's taken you to figure out gravel. So um, yeah, we'll just leave that one be. <laughs> he was so happy to see sheep. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's talk some triathlon. That's probably why we're here, right? Hey, big news here in Australia, and I don't know if it's filtered over to um, to you guys at the moment, but Emma Carney has ripped, absolutely torn shreds off Triathlon Australia after the Olympics. She wrote an open letter um, to the sports minister in Australia. That's for our American friends. That's the dude who uh, makes the governmental decisions about sport. Um, and she's called it uh, extremely poor. She's called it um, lacks leadership, direction, and transparency in an open letter, which she's quite happily published. And the ABC picked it up here, which is obviously a big network, and it went and did the rounds of a Hall of Famer calling it what it was. Um, many of us, again, as we chatted in the Olympic chat, many of us talked about it being in Australia as 
you know, not great. Um, I didn't get too specific with it. I don't think media here did a huge amount, but she's ripped it to shreds, Kevin. And uh, there are very some internal now that's uh, going on, and there's a dialogue going on there as well. But yeah, she's really given them what for. Well, I have not seen that as of yet, and now uh, I'm certainly going to go and check that out. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think uh, certainly Australia and and Canada struggled to achieve their goals um, this year as well. Um, you know, and we talked about, I, you know, I don't know how much of that had to do, you know, there's two countries who weren't at the World Championships last year, struggled to get athletes to, to events. And, um, you know, the, our Canadian who did really well raced up a storm in the spring. So, yeah. you know, sort of did a monstrous catch-up. So, um, yeah, you know, and, and certainly, yeah, I, it, I guess for for Australia, it's it's very much like um, Canada with hockey. You know, like if we if we don't do well in the Olympics or if we don't do well at the World Championships and and that kind of stuff in hockey, there's this big furor. And for you guys, it's the same around triathlon, right? Like triathlon's mm. such a big deal in your country. And um, yeah, I, I can't imagine the pressure. You know, I spent a, a lot of time chatting with Mikili Jones. Um, over the years, uh, and especially about, you know, the pressure that she was under at the Olympics in 2000. Yeah. Um, you know, and, um, and well, and you saw like, you know, Australia was supposed to go one, two, three, um, in both the men and the women, right? Like if you, if you listen to everybody and, um, you know, it, it just, I can't imagine that kind of pressure. No, she said, um, Triathlon Australia, here's a couple of quotes for you. Uh, the high-performance program is lacking direction, leadership, and transparency and is failing our athletes in providing an environment where they can perform against the best in the world with resilience, determination, and a focus on excellence. There is an urgency to dismantle a rigid hierarchy of coaching and performance centers by a head coach towards a home coach environment where coaches of athletes have greater freedom to train their athletes as they see fit. So she's not held back at all on this. She's also called for um, the review of the CEO, the president, the board, the performance director, Santa Claus, Tooth Fairy. She's <laughs> had a crack at everybody. Um, anybody who knows much about Emma Carney, you know, she's a very um, uh, passionate person. She's had a fair swing here. Yeah, it sounds like it. And uh, yeah, very interesting. It'll be interesting to see if all of this ends up creating some change. Um, you know, and and yeah, I think I, I think Australia's program has been struggling to to find its uh, some direction over the last little bit. And um, yeah, so it'll be this will be this will be fun to watch. Well, let's be honest. Right. They, they, we saw them on the coverage when they got lapped in the team relay, right? So they were pretty rubbish. Um, and I don't, I'm not going to sit there and say, hey, I don't care really what happened. They were garbage. They were, as a team, they were well down. They were ranked two. They came in ninth, I think it was. They were never in it. They got lapped. I mean, it's not great. It's not awesome. I know they tried their hardest and all that, but it's still not awesome. Um, and you're right. Australia, there is an expectation that, you know, as triathletes that they are, you know, they're better. And and the sport itself in this country has taken a fair nosedive. And I think that allows us to segue into the Collins Cup, which uh, was announced this morning about automatic qualifiers. Yep. Uh, and yesterday, yesterday for us um, and uh, I guess this morning for you guys. 
Yeah, and you look at the, the names there on the international team, and there's a few Aussies there. There's three, I think, there was, which is not not bad, not bad at all. So long distance we're still doing okay. Um, what did you think of the automatic qualifiers? Team Europe looks like uh, it's just them versus everyone else pretty much. And like, Well, and, and yeah, we, and we've known that from, from day one, right? Like it's Team Europe. I just don't. Yeah, um, and I was I was chatting with uh, with somebody about this yesterday, um, you know, and it sounds like Lionel Sanders, who's you know the the top man on the on the international on the men's side, you know, from Canada. We have a couple of Canadians, uh, Lionel and Paula, and hopefully we'll get uh, somebody else nominated from through a captain's pick. Um, but. Um, you know, like they were saying, oh, yeah, you know, everyone's looking forward to the Lionel Jan Frodeno battle. And I'm like, there is no way Team International wins if they do that matchup. You know, like they've got to, you know, the only way the um, internationals and the Americans can win this thing is if they can figure out some way to get some creative matchups so that they can somehow get their, you know, faster people up against the third and fourth guys. Um, yeah. They can't win. They, America they, can't win. America, North yeah. America can't win. Um, Team USA cannot win. They're, they're flush. They're done. It's. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I don't know if I would totally, I don't know that I would totally catch or count them. Again, it, it, it's completely dependent on, on how the, how the matchups go. Right. Um, but yeah, like you, you look at internationals, uh, or sorry, at Europe, um, you've got Daniela Reef. Um, so, you know, we're four time Ironman world champion, five times 70.3 world champion. You anyhow, the defending Ironman world champion, Lucy Charles Barkley, who's the hottest, um, triathlete on the planet. Like, you know, she's ripping up short course. She's going to swimming Olympic trials. She's, Winning everything that she's jumping into on the tri front, and then your you know your fourth athlete is Holly Lawrence, like you know uh, what 2016 uh, 70.3 world champion, and you know one of the best 70.3 athletes in the world. Are you kidding? Yeah, like that's insane. And yeah. then you know you you look at um, the the men's. You, you start with Jan Frodeno, um, Gustav Eiden, defending 70.3 world champion. Um, Joe Skipper hasn't been racing up a storm this year, but, um, you know, people should not forget how amazing his, uh, November through February, March, uh, November, 2019 through February, March of 2020, right? Like he, uh, wins and sets a new course record at Ironman, Florida wins and sets a new course record at Ironman, New Zealand. When the guy is going, he can rip, mm. right? Mm. So, you know. There's your number three. And then number four, Patrick Lange, yeah. right? Like, you know, and Patrick is racing with, um, I don't know, vengeance, anger. He's got something to prove this year. Um, so, yeah, like, it, this is, it, it's it's nuts, um, the, uh, the Europe team. And, yeah, I, good luck, everyone, trying to take those guys on. Yeah, they're not. No, no one's going to beat Europe, but I think America is would be the third in line to that. Um, I don't think they're going to do nearly as well. I mean, not saying you know. Again, it's my job to talk. Call it. Um, I don't think they're going to do as well. As you're right. Um, you um, know, have that. 
Yeah, certainly. Um, I think uh, on the men's side, they have um, a bunch of stronger sort of half distance athletes. Um, you know, Sam Long, as long as he's well, actually, he bounced back. He had a great race on the weekend in Boulder. Uh, so he's in great shape. Rudy just won uh, 70.3 Switzerland. Ben Canute was on and, you know, trying to make the Olympics and stuff. So he's got lots of speed going. Um, Matt Hansen, you don't sort of typically look at in that sort of distance, but the guy can run. So, you know, if he can stay in touch on the bike, anything can happen there. So the men, I think, a little bit, uh, you know, certainly more likely to stack up. Um, but yeah, Sky Munch, um, you know, she uh, see, won, 70, or won the uh, Ironman Europe title in 2019 and has had some great 70.3 races this year. But is she, you know, sort of ready to go up against the Daniela Reef, Annie Haug, um, Lucy Charles Barkley? Yeah, that's, that's going to be a bit of a stretch. Um, Heather Jackson, I would also typically put a, as, you know, a bit stronger over the longer stuff. Um, Jackie Herring. Yeah, um, you know, she's she's had a good season and stuff. Um, and then you, Chelsea Sodaro is possibly um, along, yeah, possibly your strongest 70.3 athlete out of, out of that group. So, um, you know, yeah, they're in it tough. No two ways around that. Yeah, and it, look, it'll be, obviously, it'll be a great event. They seem to be tipping in a ton of money into it. Um, what's the end game, though? Like, at... It like it's like they're trying to cram a lot of history into this event that doesn't exist yet. When it was first conceptualized, it was hopeless. It was just it wasn't great. It was never going to take off with the group running it. These guys obviously a lot more serious, better better in um in this. But is it in your mind like is it is is here to stay? It seems like it's had a ton of money dumped into it. My question would be, what return are they getting? Um, and and I know we sort of touched on this a little bit last time we spoke, but. Is it really sustainable? Is it, you know, the billionaires who roll this thing, they do passion plays, but at some point that, you know, that well gets shut down because it's not returning. Can it return? Um, and is it, you know, too far removed from sort of that traditional sort of triathlon sort of setup? Yeah, I think that is the, I don't know, if the million dollar question, billion dollar question, you know, what's however much money is into all of that, somewhere between 10 and 20 million, I think people would, would guess at this point. Um, yeah, that's that's the between 10 and 20 million dollar question. Yeah. Um, and that, to me, that is the big challenge for, for the PTO is going to be um, monetizing all of this. You know, Iron Man has... Ironman doesn't get money for its NBC coverage. Um, it pays for that coverage. Now, I would argue they get tons of money because that's you know what helps them uh, fuel their business and get entries around the world. Um, but the PTO's not in that business, right? Like they're yeah. not they're not trying to um, get two and three thousand people to a race. So uh, they're banking. Um, it would appear anyway. Um, if if the way the model looks right now, they're banking on lots of people loving triathlon the same way they love golf and they love football and they love all of that stuff. And that's going to be a huge challenge. Now, as you say, they're sinking everything they possibly can into it. 
Um, you know, you look at the video production they're doing and um, the social media stuff that they're doing, like it's not cheap. Um, so they're, they're doing all the right things to try and create that. Um, but I think it's just the, the old skeptics like you and I who have been around the sport, like you're young, young in the sport compared to me, cause I'm so freaking old. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, um, you know, we look at it and kind of go, whoo, that's a tough ask. Um, that's not the way things have gone traditionally, but they're shaking it all up and, Hey, no one would be happier than than I um, if they if I am you know my skepticism is completely ill founded, and uh, this thing all takes off. Yeah, I'm with it. you. I'm with you, mate. Look, I want to see it work. I think it. It you know, I yeah. The, been around as long as we have. Us old men on our rocking chairs of triathlon on the porch. They're just watching this sort of stuff, but. I commercially, I wonder what they're doing. I wonder how that's going to at some point the money invested is it going to come back to them because this is not a sport that enjoys fans. It's not a sport like that. It doesn't, people aren't walking around with Fredino jerseys and waving flags and, you know, people don't turn up to watch him race. As much as he's amazing, it just doesn't happen. There might be 20, 30 people who do it, but there's not a stadium full of people one with the red team of Fredino and one with the, you know, the USA team with Sam Locke. No one's doing that. It doesn't exist. We don't have fans. We have people who show up to watch a mate race and take an eye over the pros as well. We've had Super League try it and have done it. They run successful races, but I'm not 100% sure what sort of fan engagement they get. We've had, um, you know, back in the day, you know, they had shorter versions. They've chopped and changed. They've messed with formats. They've put different, another medal into the Olympics. And, Lots of people seem to like that, but I'm not sure 100% that it can go head-to-head with any mainstream sport. It cannot. It's simple. It cannot. But at what point? Yeah, no, and I guess um, you know, just to just to play the counter-argument, you know, you know, if you go to Roth, and probably not this year because of the COVID stuff, uh, but you go to Roth and you get you know, a huge fan there, um, the Hamburg WTCS, um, like if you've, if you've ever been to that event, it is insane. Hamburg downtown is just jam packed with people watching that, uh, that elite event, uh, down there and the, and the world relay mixed or the mixed relay world championship. So there are instances where the fan thing happens. And, um, so, and maybe that's what PTO is seeing that yeah. you and I are not. We've, mm. we, we've spent too much time at, um, you know, Ironman Penticton where, or Ironman Canada in Penticton where, you know, yes, there's a big crowd at the finish line, but it's 5,000 people or whatever. And we think, well, you know, yeah. Um, and, and while that's an amazing event, as you say, the people who are there are, you know, just a few locals, but mostly people who are watching their friends. We've seen too much of that and haven't seen enough of the you know whatever it is that pto is seeing Um, yeah and i look i'll be the first to say there are a lot smarter people in the pto than me knowing what they're doing they know the inner workings they know the inner monologue from the funders all that kind of thing I, i completely accept that from a standing on the outside looking in style i'm just questioning and you know from our experience and 30 years in the sport it doesn't work it doesn't work. As, and I know you're talking about those outlying events, but 
you know, the leagues and the races and the things that we see, people get excited about it, but not on a week-by-week basis. And they, they can't provide that sort of theatre. They're going to get a swell of people watching and then it will go dark for a while. Then they'll have a swell of people watching another event and then it goes dark. It's not week-to-week ladders, numbers, you know, that sort of thing, which is, you know, you can play an ATP event every week. You can play a PGA event every week or second week. You can do a, you know, obviously a football game every every week. You know, and that's what people respond to. They respond to the immediacy of an update. They want another swing at it. So, Fredino could race Kindler, and then people will want them to come back the following week to see what happens. It's how we're programmed. So I'm not, I don't know how it sits. But in saying that. Plenty of people sit down and watch the marathon. Plenty of people watch the Tour de France once a year, and it seems to do okay as an event. So, you know, maybe, again, that's the model. You know, you start off with a big marquee event and then you branch off into other events that would actually, you know, satellite and come back to feed that major one. Um, but it's, it, it, you know, it seems like a good concept. I hope it's a good concept. Um, and I, I want to support it because I think – what they're doing has not been done before. This is kind of Neil Armstrong style of sports administration for this sport. It's going through, as we saw with the um, the Fredino and the the Sanders hit out. It's changing the pace of how people consume the sport. Yeah, oh, for sure. It, and bottom line, and you know, I guess I am. I uh, probably should have mentioned this earlier. Like, I am involved with the event, albeit the uh, the main announcer at the actual event. I'm not involved in the in the coverage, so um, I guess I am biased at some level um, around all of this. Uh, but yeah, like bottom line is, this is going to be a nutty, exciting race. Like you just, you know, we talked about the the people who are here, um, and uh, I think what is it? It's a million and a half dollars in prize money. Um, no, that's huge for our sport. So, of course it is. Uh, and we want to see the pros of- getting paid properly, Kev. I want to see pros. I, half Look, I've said this before. The, the, the only reason that you're ever going to watch poker, a bunch of fools wearing sunglasses in the middle of the day, um, or night, sorry, wearing sunglasses playing poker, is because there's 15 million in the table. That's what makes it exciting because they're playing for a, a, you know something that a news outlet will pick up, that they'll say, okay, you know, athletes are racing for a million bucks and change. That makes a story, compels people who might not be interested to say, well, you know, they're racing for over a million bucks. Oh, okay, I'll take a look. It's part of the narrative of the story, of the race, I should say. And that's good. And, and again, yeah, like you said, pros, we've been saying, I've been saying this for years, pros are underpaid. Um, they don't get enough recognition for what they do. They don't get enough kudos for how good they are. Um, I've been a pro side athlete, um, a pro athlete, sorry, person for forever. This is hopefully going to, you know, and that's what PTO is also injecting uh, a sense of, um, I guess, new money and 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 bringing new money into the sport so that these pros can pay. They looked after them during the major part of that pandemic last year and, you know, it, it made a lot of people's lives easier. So they are doing good work. Crazy that all of this uh, this works and, and is a huge success. I know that the, the Collins Cup is going to be, you can't, with all of these athletes there, it's, it's going to be a great show and a huge success. And um, yeah, I, hopefully this is a sustainable model and, and we'll see more of this stuff down the road. Yeah, and you know, 
there's a lot more smarter people in the PTO than me, funnily enough. Uh, and they have a plan. They should know what they're doing. And, you know, they're steering money into races. They're looking after athletes. Um, they're at least visible and doing something positive. So I uh, can't fold them at the moment. And, um, you know, let's hope that the, the Collins Cup, we do see something that's, you know, exciting. And then we see something that we're going to look at and go, wow, you're going to be on the ground no doubt providing the, uh, you know, the developing world's perspective on uh, on this, um, <laughs> given your where you live. Um, one thing, though, um, I did say too, as we'll just come into the last part of this chat, um, the Olympic champions um, offered a spot to Kona. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, as a, you know, like as a well done kind of pat on the back, come on out to racing Kona. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a great idea. Like Ironman, right? this is a, one of the conundrums that have, has always been an issue for the, you know, the ITU World Triathlon. Um, you know, you've got a private company that owns a world championship, right? So I can't, get that. I, can't day, I don't understand that. That's... Phew. So at the end of the day, they can do what they want, um, and uh, but you know, in this case, I think it's awesome. You know, and and a few years ago, like I don't know if if, if you remember, uh, for the first championship, this was one of the things the challenge was was putting out there. Hey, we're inviting everyone. Like you don't have to just be a challenge person. Uh, to come to this championship event, we're inviting uh, Olympic champions and world champions, like Ironman and seventy point three world champions, and and all of this stuff. So, um, so yeah, I think I think it's a great move. Um, I'll be very interested to see. Like Christian Blumenfeld is planning on racing Frankfurt this weekend, or was I don't know if he will still. Um, and you know, had made it clear he wants to win the win in Kona this year. So. You know, this is a boon to him. Maybe it means he can uh, take the weekend off and gear up for Edmonton and not be <laughs> trying to win that world championship with uh, an Ironman in his legs. Um, and then to me, the big question is, what does Flora Duffy do? You know, like, you know, it'd be uh, very cool to see her in that race. But um, I think uh, WTCS Bermuda is the following weekend. And that's huge for her. You know, Tourism yeah. Bermuda, I think, is probably her biggest sponsor. Um, or Bermuda Tourism, I'm not sure which way it goes. Um, so, you know, they like one would imagine she is intending to be at that event um, and ready to rock and roll. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But I think it's a great move. Sorry for the long answer. No, I love it. Um, I think so too. I'm, I'm, I for once agree with you. Uh, we are in agreement, which is a rare thing. Thank goodness we got the red light flashing on this. Um, yeah, I'm like you. I got an opinion on it though. Uh, on other things as well, surrounding this, and I'd like yours as well, Kevin. Um, so I'm with you on that. I think it's fi- fine. I think sure. A, it's weird. There's a company that owns a world championship. It's a weird ass setup. The second part is now there's all this talk about Lionel Sanders missing, and you know a lot of talk around that as well. Do you know what? In any event, the wild card exists, and I reckon that Iron Man can put down a wild card whenever they like for whoever they like, um, and damn the damn the consequences because they own the event. I don't understand why they don't offer more wild cards to athletes who. Um, are not going to be there, but they want them there. 
it's not a question about whether they've done enough to qualify. And yes, everyone's going to say, yeah, but the other athletes have. Sure. But it's the discretion of the um, of the race organisers and the owners to say, well, pff, we want him here. I, I don't understand why the wild card is not used more. And when it is used, people go, oh, okay, got a wild card. So they did it all the time for celebrities years ago. Remember they were getting Gordon Ramsay in and, you know, a bunch of other people all came to Hawaii and they all got a wild card and everyone was kicking up a shit going, oh, Ramsey never qualified. And it's like, oh, for God's sake, he's not going to muck up your race, your legend, you know. He's just going to show up and race. I think we need to be the same kind of thing where we say, you know what, if the, they, they want to give you a wild card, you get a wild card. What are your thoughts? Whew. Um, so that could um, like you know, totally be its own podcast. I think there's so much Ooh. to go into on that one. Um, like, give me the thirty second tour, mate. Yeah. So, I guess what I what I want to say is it's not quite that cut and dry when you're looking at that whole qualifying thing. So, um, so if you sort of let Lionel Sanders in, what are you saying to the other five, six, ten pros who? smoked him at Ironman Coeur d'Alene when he walked across the finish line. Um, you know, like you, you've got a qualifying system for a reason uh, and you need to follow that at some levels. Right. Um, so, you know, but there needs to be some balance to all of that too. Right. Like, you know, and, yeah. and what do you do about a maternity policy? Right. Like, um, you know, are you, are you forcing, uh, forcing somebody like Marinda Carfrey, um, uh, who who you know delivered her the, you know their child uh, earlier this spring, saying, "Well, you got to go do a qualifier." No, like there, that's a guaranteed wild card in my in my world. Um, you say, "Yeah, you're you know three time champion. You want to come to Kona? You're in." You win um, once, you should be allowed to come to Kona for the rest of your life. What's the difference if you've actually climbed the mountain? Then let them come back in. Oh, yeah, I, we are. Well, and bit- do that, I believe. Uh, so they and, and that used to be the way, and then they had the pro yeah. qualifying, which sort of messed all of that up. But I am pretty sure any Ironman champion who called up Ironman and said, "I want to come race," they would say, "Absolutely, you can yeah. come and do the race." Whether or not you can do it as a pro is is another question because we have a qualifying process and and all of that stuff. So, yeah, like I think it's tricky with Lionel Sanders because, um, you know, had he been injured or something like that, then you kind of go, yeah, sure, this, you know, wild card kind of makes sense on that front. But when the guy was perfectly healthy um, and, you know, didn't do it in Coeur d'Alene, and instead of looking at doing Lake Placid as a qualifier, he went off and did an invitational Mm. one-on-one race, you know, what's that saying if you suddenly give him an invite? Um, Yeah, it's saying you want the best in the world to race each other is is what I think. And, you know, yeah, I I 100% see your point. He probably, the you know, the the one-on-one race was probably, you know, not just show where his head was at. But guy's got to make a buck. So I don't know. I, yeah, it is a longer conversation, but it's certainly one that, that brought up those sorts of talking points when the gold medalists were uh, invited. And I, look, I think the gold medalists should just get a standing invitation. If you if you have a gold medal in triathlon, come and race, you know, of that year. And it, it makes perfect sense. And it celebrates the sport for its, you know, for the shorter distance as well as, you know, the guys 
reaching for the ultimate. So I think it, it absolutely sits positively with me and uh, I'd like to see him. But you're right, I think, you know, Bermuda's going to want to see Flora and they're going to see uh, Flora win. So, yeah, yeah. why wouldn't you? She's well, amazing. Uh, hey, hey, I bet I can I uh, – I wonder if I can get you with trivia. You've probably read my stories or maybe you have read my stories this week. There has been an athlete who has done super well at the Olympics and at the Ironman World Championship in the same year. No, I, I skimmed this. Who yes. it was and when. Uh, I skimmed it. I skimmed it. I, I know. Oh, this is putting me on the spot, Kevin. Good God. Um, right, give you from the 2008 uh, 70.3 World Championships down in, down in Florida when they were held back there. Was that Clearwater? Yeah. Uh, when everyone was riding – 150 for 90k. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hit us with it, mate. Joanna Zeiger, fourth at the Olympics in uh, 2000 and fifth in Kona. And I, I keep forgetting to look it up, but I have it in my head that it was about six weeks apart. Um, yeah, so, right. And, uh, and, you know, I just, I think it, how cool would it have been had Welchie been able to stay healthy? I think he could have done the double. Um, yeah. Had he had the heart issues, like the fittest man on the planet in 98, 99, and, mm. um, you know, favorite for Sydney prior to those heart conditions. I think that would have been uh, fun to see him go after that double because I totally think he could have done it. Yeah. I mean, nothing that guy did or does or continues to do surprises me. He's amazing. He would have been someone who uh, would have been good. Kevin, that will probably see us out, mate. You've got lots of planning to do. Good luck with your um, uh, Ranger Man. Yes, with Ranger Man, mate. And if you uh, looking out, make sure you uh, keep following Kevin and uh, see what he gets up to. This is a pretty cool thing he's doing. So good luck to you, sir. Graveling it up, my friend. I love it. Now we can. Some point I'll have a conversation where I actually put two wheels onto gravel, but we'll get there. You know, slowly but surely. Thanks so much, Phil. Thanks for listening to The Life of Try. If you like us, tell your mates and follow us on Instagram at The Life of Try.